Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. This is episode number 528. 38. What time is it again? There's so many. Oh, who's in count? Whoa, it's 538 already. <laughs> wow. Uh, tonight we're going to learn more uh, about Linspire Linux and its re-release, its rebirth from the grave. Um, we're going to be speaking with one of the uh, new owners and learning about how their company um, is going to bring Linspire back, what kind of Linux experience they have um, in developing and distributing Linux distros, and uh, we're going to get some insight into the controversy from days gone by with right. the old Linspire as well. But perhaps most importantly, we're going to learn how the new Linspire is going to give back to open source. Stick around. We've got that interview coming right up. Also, here's what's coming up in the Category 5.TV newsroom. We'll explain the latest threat. Dubbed Meltdown and Spectre. Lithium-ion batteries in HP notebook computers and mobile workstations that are not customer replaceable are being recalled. We'll tell you which products are affected, so stick around. Remember the VTech hack we reported on back in 2015? The FTC has finally reached a settlement deal with the toy maker. And Toyota is working with a handful of companies to create an autonomous electric fleet of vehicles. Stick around, the full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. to solid state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs. Category 5 TV streams live with Telestream Wirecast and Nimble Streamer. Tune in every week on Roku, Kodi, Plex, and other HLS video players. For local showtimes, visit Category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters, cat5.tv slash IAIB. Welcome to the show. It's episode number 528, and it's so nice to have you here. Now, we've got a fun show planned for you. I mentioned that we are on Cody there off the top of the show, Mm -hmm. Uh, Cody being like a multimedia player and sweet... Our channel has been upgraded. Nice. 1.1.4 was released this week. Thank you to the community for helping out. And uh, just a note. Now, when I showed our Cody channel on the show, mm-hmm. we had the problem happen. But I didn't know because it was working on all of my other computers. Right. It turned out that the problem with our Cody channel showing a blank screen was um, something to do with Cody itself being oh. a particular version. And there were like a few different versions that had some compatibility issues that has been fixed. Right. So head on over to our website, category5.tv, scroll all the way to the bottom, click on subscribe, and you'll see our Cody channel there. And uh, if you if you already have it and it's working great, still upgrade. Uh, that's going to give you the latest and greatest channel mm-hmm. of Category 5. Now, I want to mention uh, over the past few weeks, we've been talking about 4K cameras. Right. And we've been using 4K cameras. And we had, uh, we've got four of them that we're reviewing and comparing. Tonight's show, however, we are foregoing the 4K comparison. What? What? Why would Why? we do that? Well, it's because there was a huge announcement this past week that threw our schedule out the window. And so tonight, instead, we are going to be talking about Linspire 7. Yes. Very cool. 
but I want to tell you, a Skype video interview is not a good way to demonstrate a 4K <laughs> camera. Really? Yeah. yeah. I can't figure out why. Because yeah. the video quality may be a little less than you're used to when it comes to Skype video. Right. That's okay. So next week we're going to be reviewing and showing off the uh, the final camera in our four camera set. That's the JVC HM170. Um, By now, the way, you look good in 4K. Thank you. You too, Sasha. Hey, thanks, Jeff. As do you. <laughs> well, what do you know? Well, uh, a lot of viewers have been sending in questions, comments, and we've got a, a kind of a bank of these all set aside, and we know that you've sent in your questions. So um, if you have sent a question as of late and you haven't heard it on the air yet, we have booked next week's show as a viewer question extravaganza. Those are my absolute favorite episodes. It's like Merry Christmas to me again. It's a great opportunity yes. for us to uh, to converse with our community. Yes. So, uh, and also maybe, 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 and hopefully help you out with some of your tech issues or whatever else. I like it. I'm, I'm excited. To it. Jeff, you were mentioning before the show... Can we bring up your data theft issue? Yeah. Something that... Uh... So, uh, something happened on my computer. Uh, la okay, so last weekend the show, I was telling you how my computer went wonky and it was taking 10 minutes to load. Yeah. Right. And this is a new computer that we re reviewed in the show about a year and a half ago. So, it's not an old system. I'm, right. I'm very careful on what I do. But there was two days where it was going crazy slow. And all of a sudden, it's working fine again. And you thought maybe it was a driver issue or something. I thought maybe the bootloader, maybe yeah, the Windows could be that too, because I've got a dual boot. Because you mentioned it was the boot process that was taking a long time. Right. So Monday, I get an alert from ESET, because uh, I've got the ESET protection on my computer, that mm -hmm. there was unauthorized attempt to access my computer through a dummy account. And Oh, what? Through the dummy account. Like RDP sessions or something? Somebody uh, trying to connect in? It didn't say. It just said we flagged an unauthorized access to your dummy account, and so we've locked it out. <laughs> no, so, no, no, you misread it, Jeff. It's, we flagged unauthorized access, you dummy. Well, th that could be it, too. But I was at work at the time, <laughs> so I wasn't there. And uh, then in the last, well, I mean, that was Monday, so we're yeah. a couple days. And in, so in the last couple of days, I've received alerts that um, all of my email accounts have been accessed from various uh, countries. Oh, like how Gmail sends you an email saying, yes. somebody, so, so if you change your passwords? Not yet. They've all come in today as I'm at work. Oh. So I have, like, this is like fresh off the press stuff. Yeah. I've got a couple Gmail accounts. I've got a GMX account, and they've been accessed in Russia and India. And you have not been in Russia nor Yikes. India? In the last week, no. Okay. So, yeah. and Maybe, I'm, maybe and on the break, you should get in and start changing all your passwords. Well, that's what I'm going to do. I think that's you know, what that tends to be. If somebody hacks your accounts, one of the first things they want to do is change your password so that you get you locked can't. out. Absolutely. So, I, I'm sitting here going, wow, this is nuts. I've never been party to data theft and it appears scary, that that yeah. is what's happened so hmm. yeah and it, I'd be but now it's questioning my computer because it's saying yeah. it's clean so i'm wondering how they got in so eset right. said alert yes but it was too little too late so yes and i bring up rdp remote desktop protocol yeah um a lot of us have remote access turned on on our computers so that when we're at work or wherever we can access it and do our stuff right um and by default that something that happens by default because i wouldn't know if mine was on or not i would never try in and some access versions, my computer 
Yeah, in some versions it is, but okay. file and printer sharing, okay. remote desktop protocol, okay. these are all ways that your system is shared. Yes. I just had a light bulb moment. Oh? On Friday, I contacted QuickBooks uh, because I was having an issue with my QuickBooks, and oh. they used a, a, a they web service where they can... They opened up a remote desktop connection yes. of some sort. So what's interesting about remote desktop and these kinds of services is that people can try to hack into your account and you would be none the wiser. Right. They guess at your password. They guess administrator, we know, is a username on a Windows machine. So that's the right. first place to start. And then try all kinds of brute force attacks and you'd never know right. until they get in. Yeah. But then it's too little <sighs> too late. I wonder so. if there's something related to the service that they used. Perhaps. Maybe it left mm. some residual behind. And it was legitimately into it that you talked to? Yeah, 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 yeah. legit. So just something about their software. Yeah. Wow. That's an interesting kind of thought that <sighs> we have to be careful, even if we're dealing with huh. legitimate companies, that maybe the software that they're using could leave some residual have behind. To contact them. Yeah. Yikes. Frightening stuff. Anyways, yeah, that's been my week. Well, on that note, (laughs) have you ever had the experience of data theft or have you suspected such a thing? Uh, Jeff has got to take a really quick moment to change all his passwords. That's the first thing he needs to do. And we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be checking out Linspire 7. You heard me right. I'm excited. Stick around. Jeff Weston, Yaman. you're building a brand new beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? Oh, you're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. All right. yeah, I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? Just because Jeff is confused doesn't mean you have to be. Visit cat5.tv slash dreamhost to sign up for unlimited web hosting for your website with unlimited email accounts, MySQL databases, the latest version of PHP, WordPress, and more, and even a free domain name registration. It's less than $6 per month, so sign up today. cat5.tv slash dreamhost. Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Back at the end of December, uh, at NuttyPro69 on Twitter sent us a message and said, at Category 5 TV. Linspire was the very first Linux operating system I tried because of you guys back in the day. And today it is free from pc-opensystems.com. Whoa. That's nutty. Wait, Yeah. Are you nutty? Uh, Lynn Spire's been gone for 10 years now, my friend. So it been that long? Yeah, 10 years. 2007. So 11 years. What? I, man, I, I, I do miss it. Oh, you yeah. opened me up to Lynn Spire. Lynn Spire was a great distro that was set up in such a way that it was built for the desktop. Yes. It's Linux, but it was built to help people migrate from Microsoft Windows to the Linux platform. And it was and, so good. Oh, it was very, very good, especially for the time. Now, here's the thing. I warned the nutty one and said, you got to be careful because anyone who's claiming that Linspire is available for free right now, uh, y- y- this, is, this is an old distro that was discontinued. 
Yeah, and it was commercial. And so it was a commercial it shouldn't have too. been free. Mm-hmm. Right. So then I started looking into it, and guess what? What? Tell us. PC Open Systems LLC purchased the source code of Linspire. They oh. purchased the trademarks of Linspire. So everything. Including not just Linspire, but also Freespire. <gasps> Which is the free open source version uh, okay. of Linspire being the commercial distro. Right. We're going to learn all about it tonight. Um, here's the thing. Um, Linspire, as we mentioned, was always like the best um, desktop OS way back in the early days. Yes. So, like we're talking 2001. Yeah. And for, for Linux. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, so um, it started out as, as Lindos OS. Yes. And then like... 12 months later, Microsoft got word of this and sued them. Yes. Because it rhymed. Just like they did with that micro guy. Because it rhymes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so they had to change their name and it became Linspire. But Lindos, Linspire, they're synonymous. They're yep. one and the same. Um, but here's one of the things that really was a big deal about Linspire and Lindos uh, in particular. is that it was the first Linux operating system to find retail distribution. Yes. Right. We're talking Walmart and Sears. And like you could walk into a big box store and for 199 bucks, pick up a computer that has Linux on it, and it mm-hmm. was Lindos OS. Very I remember cool. that. Those were the days. So I'm fairly certain I bought mine from Future Shop. Really? When they were around for 50 bucks. Wow. Can you? Because I, ha- I, I have. Okay, so last week last I said I had. Last week I said I had the disc. Yeah, right. Where is it? I don't have the disc. No. <laughs> I was cleaning out my drawer. Turns out I tossed the disc. No. But I have the case. You Didn't have the it case. spark joy, though? It did spark <laughs> joy, but I... You thought it, we would never need it. Well, exactly. I thought, mm-hmm. hey, it's obsolete. It's not used anymore. What's the point of having it? Right. Little did I know, two weeks later, I'd need it for, for like, wonderfully topical nostalgia purposes. Well, and if you <laughs> want some nostalgia, go back to episode number 303, because I found an old laptop in my storage area that had Lin, Linspire 5 installed on it. So hmm. check that out. Episode number 303. Now, 10 years ago, the final version of Linspire came out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the company was, a, uh, it was dissolved. Were, yes. Mm-hmm. It went under. Well, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in just yeah. a few minutes' time with someone in the know. Um, but out of the blue, back on January 2nd of this year, that's when we got the, the announcement officially. So we saw that they were giving it away for free at the end of December. But officially, January 2nd of this year, it was announced that they had purchased the trademarks and the source code. And it's time to uh, bring Linspire back from the grave. So would you help me welcome Roberto J. Donnert? He Yay! is the lead consultant uh, and system designer for PC Open Systems LLC. It's important to note that Linspire uh, is now owned by a completely different company. So can you introduce us, please, to, uh, to your company and how it differs from, say, Linspire? Okay. Well, my company is PC Open Systems. We, we not only do software development, we also do hardware development. What I mean by hardware development is, is that, like with our software, we have a custom ISO project where we take a completely bare system install whatever programs you need and whatever drivers you need in the system. The hardware side is the same way. Pretty much you tell us what you need when it comes to hardware. We build it for you or we 
take a generic system and add those components, and then we ship it out to you. So what's and your so, what's your experience um, as far as Linux distributions go? Oh, I go all the way back to Gentoo. <laughs> <laughs> I started actually developing Linux distributions back in 2006. I started with a Gentoo base, and I started with a with an operating system. I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's called PCOS. Pretty much, it was just the initials of the company, and basically, what it was was to give our customers a long-term supported distribution of Linux that they could use. And because back then, I don't know if you, you remember, but the lifespan of these the distros was only like six months. Right. And, and if you're reusing Gen two, you don't want to have to reinstall every six months. Let me tell you that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, so. Back then, the lifespan was only like six months, and corporations they had a hard time adopting it, especially on their desktops, because they want something that will last years, not just months. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of the main problems that we had with it. So we went ahead and with that approach, we made Gen Two to where we would update it, we would distribute it, but we would go through all the hard work of having to apply updates, patches, drivers, etc. So you've been distributing your own Linux distribution since uh, as far back as that? Wow. Yep. So why now here in 20, uh, 2018 are we all of a sudden hearing that you've bought Linspire of all things? <laughs> well, we bought Xandros. We bought the entire thing from Bridgeways. I don't know if you know what Bridgeways was. Weren't they like uh, they hold the trademarks and things like that? Right. And they, what they did was that they also produced some... Um, connectivity products for Windows. Okay. Anyway, but they started, but they were going down the way of the Dodo. So we went ahead and talked to them, got the trademarks and everything, got some other property from them. And um, what we were doing was Black Lab. And um, I wanted to really see that form as a community the, the distribution. And I wanted to see that thrive with, with the community. Because one of the things is that if you have a community edition, then you have the commercial edition. What happens is sometimes the commercial aspect of it gets in the way, and the community really doesn't want to actually get involved in it because they feel, hey, it's a, it's a commercial interest, not a community interest. Right. And so what we decided was we needed to go ahead and find a way to break away Black Lab from the community edition and... Black Lab being your distribution that you were currently uh, distributing? Right. Okay. And we figured we needed to go ahead and get, find a way to keep that to the community and find another way to keep our commercial interests separate from it. Mm. And so this way it doesn't pollute the waters, as some people sure. would say. So when you speak and, about, when you speak about um, the differentiation between the community edition and the commercial edition, are we talking Free Spire versus Linspire here? Or... Well, Black Labs always, was always uh, was always a server type distribution. Yes, yeah. And uh, what happened was is that we is that I wanted to start back to going to desktops. So okay. that's the reason why we have FreeSpire as well. FreeSpire's right. A free desktop OS. Right. And, uh, I don't know if you've read our marketing and things like that, but I I know well, I sent you eyes of Linspire. Yeah, and, and we're going to take a look at that in a few minutes' time. But and, and it's all very sudden. I mean, this is a, a, a big announcement all of a sudden that you know, 
surprise, Linspire's back, and uh, yeah. it's taken a lot of people, you know, by storm, especially those of us who used it back in the day. Now, when Linspire shut down, however, uh, you know, we, we can talk about all the great things that Lindos and Linspire did, uh, but of course, when they shut down, there was a lot of controversy surrounding the company. Like, Michael Robertson was suing the bank, he was suing the staff who created the very OS, uh, free open source software advocates were uh, condemning Linspire for being uh, kind of against the, the FOSS um, mindset. So you have to understand, and you, you must be very aware, more so than even myself, of the kind of controversy that you have bought into with the Linspire oh, yeah. brand, in that all of a sudden you're bringing back to light not just a great distro, but all of the controversy that surrounded that distro. So how do you, with this new version, understanding that this Linspire is a new Linspire based on the old one, brought out by a new company. How are we going to address those kinds of concerns from the community and, and, and all the kind of negativity that surrounded Linspire, Inc. back in the day? Well, if you look at Freespire right now, Freespire, basically what we did, we removed all the proprietary codecs. We have some proprietary drivers in there, but they're mostly for the hardware that they need to support, that people wanted to support. Yeah. And so... All, what we want to do is create or Freespire, have something that the FOSS people can use as well as just any generic computer user can use. And so then we want to educate the public, especially not the FOSS public, the people that just computer users in general, about that free and open source software, pure free and, so free and open source software can actually thrive and is usable. Because right now, if you look at the landscape, people say with FOSS, the, the distributions out here that, like, are GNU certified. That's right. Uh, if you look at those, a lot of people have this thinking in their head that they're very hard to use, mm -hmm. and they're and that they're no good. They're if they're free, if good. they're free, you mean without the proprietary codecs right. and all that? Exactly. Yeah. And so what we wanted to do was go ahead and introduce free, reintroduce Freespire okay. as something that the FOSS community can get behind, as right. something any computer can get behind. So just now, one thing, I don't know if you remember this, but Linspire Incorporated used to actually, it was $45 or $49 a year. Right. That was non-negotiable. Click and run access and all that stuff, yeah. Right. Can, can I just touch on, before we get into that, can I t just back up just a little bit for those viewers who are watching here, Roberto, um, that maybe are not familiar with free open source and what's the difference between free versus, because when we think free, we think about something that's given out. That's free one thing. Right. right. But if, when we talk free open source software like Freespire and removal of proprietary codecs, what we're talking about is things like MP3. The ability to play MP3 files is a proprietary yeah. thing. So this is something that uh, a patent has to be paid for in order to do legitimately. So right. uh, exactly. Linspire was, you know, you would pay for that distro and it would come with all this great stuff available right. built into that, uh, where the, the free open source versions of Linux would not include those things because they are proprietary. Um, right. So I kind of felt like at the time, so we're going back to, you know, 2006, I think, yeah. in around there when Freespire came out, I, I believe it was around there. It kind of felt like 
Linspire Inc. was reacting to um, the open source community's condemnation of the commerciality of Linspire by bringing out Freespire. I mean, somebody else actually brought out the first Freespire version, which was a stripped-down version of Linspire. So I'm getting the impression from our conversation here, and and I would love to hear your perspective on this, but getting the impression that, uh, that your company, on the other hand, has more of a community-centric focus with the commerciality aspect as well for the commercial customers. And uh, Ubuntu, right. Ubuntu has taken a similar route, canonical, with distributing the OS for free and then having commercial support, whereas you're talking about having a free version available uh, and then having a commercial version for the commercial user. Am, am I right in that, you know, from, from just hearing you speak, I, I'm feeling like there's more of a community focus here. Right, there's more of a community focus. We've always been focusing on the community. And uh, with Linspire, of course, it's, it's a t- totally different product here, okay? That's a commercial product. Okay, yes, that has yeah. always and is that because of codecs and drivers and things like that, or are there other right, proprietary things, things? That, right, and things that we actually have to pay for right, in okay. order to be able to distribute them. Right. See, like somebody came to me the other day in the email and was like, well, I can go to the Ubuntu repositories and install the codecs. Well, the thing is with those, those licenses that Ubuntu has are single-use only, which means you have to go download them because only you can use them. But if you pull them down, and recreate a, and, and respin Ubuntu and try to distribute it, then the issue that you run into is licensing. And okay. uh, right now, I think a lot of people get away with it because they're not a corporation. They're not right. a business. And okay. there's no police coming to your door saying, have you got MP3 codecs installed? Right. Doesn't exactly. happen. Yeah. Whereas, you know, where PC Open Systems, Canonical, Red Hat, Novell, Sousa, or Microfocus, or whatever owns it now. Okay, yeah, we're we're targets, and we and we and we pretty much are. But mm-hmm. like, we can't. We had to be very careful on what we did distribute because, as an entity, we're more likely of a target. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I I could see like a corporate environment with 150 computers needing to deploy Linux. If they had to install a free open source version of Linux and then install all the codecs and things. Now it could be done through package management and maybe a script right. and things like that. But uh, what you're doing is offering something that it's out of the box, ready to go. It's got the commercial aspects already built in, um, and exactly. we would expect other advantages as well. Uh, is there a real, you know, is is there any other differentiation between FreeSpire and Linspire that you know free downloaders would need to know about? Like if I can install the codecs myself on my own personal computer. I'm okay with that. Right. Uh, what uh, what else is different about it? Well, also we also include Wine and Linspire. We don't include yep. Freespire, and uh, we also include advanced security measures like antivirus, intrusion detection, yep, and things like that. We also include that, and VirtualBox comes pre-installed as well. Okay. Now, one thing that I'm trying to do, and some people in the Linux community are going to hate me for it. And I'm actually trying to work with Code Weavers to see if I can get crossover Office that we can actually put into our own repository so users can get that. I'm going to say for you guys, it's going to be free of charge. For us, you know, obviously it's going to be awesome. But also, I'm trying to work out a, an agreement with some other entities for commercial operating systems to actually 
that you can actually install onto Linspire through nice. VMs, through okay. VMware, not VMware, through VirtualBox, and also be supported that way. Nice. So again, uh, for those who are not really familiar with these terms, Code Weavers, Wine, and VirtualBox, um, similar reason for having those things. Code Weavers and Wine um, are are kind of connected in a way that um, they use the same software base, but they allow you to install Windows programs on a Linux operating system. So that's key here. So we're talking about having a commercial version of Linux that out of the box supports that and is licensed for that. Uh, right. VirtualBox, on the other hand, allows you to install Windows into Linux, which right. is a great thing as well if you want to be able to say you can't get it to run in Wine. Right. So that's I cool. don't want to go as far as Robo Linux. I don't know if you ever heard of that, where you have di- different VMs for each individual application. Oh, that yes. That could be uh, brutal so. from a user standpoint, for sure. So this is definitely much more user-friendly for the novice user. Uh, right. And I, I, I like this... Roberto, because I feel like I'm, I'm personally getting a better understanding of why you have to sell Linspire um, and how it differs from Freespire. So me as a pers- personal user with Linux experience, I can install Freespire and I can install all these things. I can get code weavers in VirtualBox and I can say, accept the user terms and uh, that's right. between me and Oracle and me and code weavers right. for me to accept those licensing agreements. But um, exactly. with Linspire, you have included the acceptance of these license agreements, the payment to them for the proprietary use of their software, and now I've got something that if I'm not a Linux user, if I don't know how to set that stuff up, hey, pay pay the little bit extra and get a version that's already set up for me. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Looking at some of the controversy surrounding Linspire, here's one for you. Um, Linspire was always running as the root user. Are we still going to uh, have a desktop that is running as the root user or out of the box? Thank you. (laughs) No. <laughs> All right. And that was one of the questions I've had a lot, too. Is, yep. you know, And also, I want to make something clear, too. A lot of your users have, have asked me if I plan to redistribute the classic ISOs, the classic versions. And we thought about that. We really did. But pretty much they're useless right now. Yeah. You know, click and run doesn't Old work stuff. On, on there anymore. And uh, there's really no point in redistributing the classic ISOs except for maybe nostalgia reasons sure you know what i would like to see that would be a support nightmare (laughs) (laughs) yes i don't care about the isos i don't care about the discs as far as the software that's on them but i would love to get my hands on one of the old lindos box sets because they had retail distribution and i can't for the life of me find that box because as soon as you made this announcement we all went to our garages and looked for (laughs) the old boxes and unfortunately they've all been recycled Um, jeff one of our hosts here has the uh the the case itself for linspire Uh and lindos but has recycled the discs and the box itself so those kinds of things for nostalgia purposes are there so did you get access to the original source code during the acquisition Oh, yeah. Okay. So we're looking at, uh, this is officially really Lindos, Linspire, and right. how has it changed with the release of Linspire 7 this month? Pretty much what we did was we changed the base from Debian back to Ubuntu. Okay. Okay. Right now it's on Ubuntu 16.04.3. We do have some driver changes and everything that yeah. that you don't get from Ubuntu. And so 
and like you said, we removed the whole root user thing because we actually thought about that. There was a reason why they did that before. Before they did that because Windows was doing that. Okay, and uh, they wanted their software to be as much like Windows as possible. They right. wanted people to have the same kind of interaction. And uh, we looked at that and I was like, well, that's crazy these days. So, and, you know, I had some people tell me, well, it's not the same. Well, it's not meant to be the same. You know no. what I mean? Of course, we're going to make improvements. We're going to make changes. Sure. And we're going to keep going to make these changes into this distribution. Yeah, we certainly... And, uh, we don't need a uh, one-to-one Windows alternative here. Right. And what, what I think is important and, and what I think Lindo's really hit on uh, back in 2001, 2003, uh, was that we need, uh, and, and there are other distros out there that are doing a fair job of this, but Lindo's and Xandros were always at the forefront uh, back in the day. Uh, we need something that's a good alternative and easy to migrate over to Linux. Um, right. Lin- Lindo's... Uh, was my first Linux operating system where I could remove lin- uh, Windows completely from my system and switch to right. Linux. So that's what I think what's exciting about that. Uh, you started talking about CNR, click and run. Uh, right. Is that still something that's available on Linspire? Uh, no, what we did was we just basically put in the GNOME Software Center because okay. pretty much anything's click and run these days. Right. You don't need to have a special infrastructure for doing this, except for the fact that we are going to add some commercial repositories to Linspire. Okay. That's a good call. I think that's a good call. Um, Click and Run was their proprietary front end for, uh, I guess, apt the installation right. of packages, right? It was well, brilliant, but now we've got App Image, for example, which is doing a very similar thing to what Click and Run did, which was give you a packaged uh, software that you could just install by clicking on it, um, just like an right. EXE, like a setup.exe in Windows or an MSI file. Uh, that's what right. Click and Run did, but um, through package management, we can do the same. Through App Image, we can do the same nowadays, so lots changed. So I think that's a good call to deprecate that, for sure. Yeah, and then we also have support for staff packages in there. Okay. As well, so people who want to do have to use snap packages, we also do support snap packages. Mm-hmm. And for Linspire HPC, which is a high performance computing desktop, we also have support for uh, some Unix applications as well as more Fedora and uh, Red Hat based mm-hmm. software. To, to, to like the installers themselves? RPM and okay. things like that. So you don't have to use Alien anymore? or Right. Okay, so we don't have to convert to dev packs. That's, That's cool. on HPC, though. That's not on the regular this is a, This So, oh, this is a different distro of the new Linspire? Right. Okay. Linspire HPC, which is our high-performance computing. It's for high-performance desktops. Right. It's not something like you would use, right. for example, for okay. like, researchers. Yeah. Things like that. It'll be neat to get familiar with your product line as, as it grows. I mean, this is, again, a very new announcement, a very fresh announcement coming out right. of, of your company. Uh, so, you know, and it's all... Surprisingly, and surprisingly, we've, we've been working on this thing for over a year. You have been, but we're just like, what? Yeah. Linspire's back? Like, the yeah. internet is a buzz. Absolutely. So, yeah. with your community focus and oh, with... We had, to keep it, we had to keep it very quiet. Oh, no doubt. The thing is that we had a lot of betas that came out between them. Oh. We had... Uh, we have we had, we had betas throughout the year, and we had to make sure we had to tell people, look, you can't distribute this. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, so make sure you get me on your list, okay? Okay. 
we'll keep it on the down low. Um, with your community focus, Roberto, um, how is Linspire, I mean, Freespire is the obvious answer, but take it one step further. How is Linspire going to give back? And this goes back to how Linspire Inc. did things wrong. How are you going to give back to open source? Well, the thing that we're going to do is all our all our kernel changes and everything are going to go back into the community, of course. Anything we change in the kernel, anything we change in the software itself, we will absolutely contribute that contribute that back to the communities at large, such as XFCE, which our desktop is based off, mm -hmm. the kernel.org guys, and things of that nature. And also another thing, too, is that uh, another thing that we're doing is that, yes, you have to pay a subscription license for a year okay and uh but unlike what linspire did with where they charge 49.99 a year you, that was mandatory for us it's not you pay it one time that's if your support after, contract right if after a year you decide you don't want support or you don't need support mm -hmm. we don't cut off access to any kind of update any kind of software okay software center will still run and everything but the thing is if you don't pay the support contract what happens is like when 8.0 comes out you won't get that but you'll be supported you'll get all the okay. backports and all the updates so you have support for your currently installed version but just right. not the roll up to the next which right. is which is um you know that's that makes sense in light of the fact that we're understanding now that this is for commercial use and in a business environment where you know you're paying licensing fees and right. you, you're paying for proprietary stuff. Um, so, you know, I, and I'm a software salesperson myself, uh, I, I professionally, and I understand that, you know, there are fees associated with things moving forward. So from a free Spire perspective, on the other hand, so looking at the community edition, the one that I might install on my home computer for free, uh, is there support provided for that? Yeah, for $29.99 for a year. We will we will actually support that because there believe it or not there are some companies that run that want to run the free version. Okay. They don't care. They don't care about the uh, proprietary codex. They don't care about the proprietary software. Right. You know. So that was one thing that we looked at too. And you know, some people were like, "Well, what do we have to do to get support for a year for FreeSpire itself?" Mm -hmm. And so we decided on twenty nine ninety nine for that one because it's much less to support. Sure, yeah. So for a home user or business that wants to just use uh, a basic install or whatever, it, right. it makes sense. Um, so we'd encourage comments below. Um, I, I think we've really touched on a few points tonight that help us to understand, first of all, how Linspire 7 and forward is going to be different from the old Linspire. I certainly get a different, uh, let's say, aura from you, Roberto, than I, I do from uh, your predecessor, uh, Roberts. Yeah. <laughs> Robertson. Yeah. <laughs> um, he is a character. <laughs> yeah, definitely a character. Um, so, the, you know, the, the old uh, founder of, of Linspire um, certainly had a very different business model, very different mindset. And so, right. you know, but, but amazing software and, and a really good uh, grasp on what users really need in order to make the transition from Windows to Linux. So this could be yeah. a, a real answer to that. Yeah, and I Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Sorry. That's it. Back then, back when, when, when he was running, especially towards the latter years, back when it felt like it was going to shut down. Yeah. Because I had a feeling in 2006, after seeing what they were doing, and that uh, they were trying to make Click and Run available for everybody, 
it kind of felt like to me they were looking for a way out. Yeah. And then some of the stuff that they were doing at the time just made no sense to me. And then the whole controversy with Kevin came up and with Michael, and it just turned into a free crap storm. It It really did. It was sad the way it ended. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree. And that's where that my initial question came out like this is the controversy that you've bought into my friend <laughs> yeah. so so i'm eager uh, you know maybe this is step one of this interview uh, of, of you know the community understanding the difference here and i really hope that we've established that tonight so really looking forward to all that you've got to come uh how can we obtain a copy of free spire or lynn spire at this point uh with lynn spire you can go to www.pc-opensystems.com and you can go to our web store or to the Limspire OS link in the top bar, and you can go ahead and uh, purchase a copy from there. Free Spire, you go through our Open Source Labs page, which is on that same page, that All same right. URL. Go through Open Source Labs and go down to Free Spire, and you can actually download Free Spire right there. Or if you need that support, you can actually purchase it there as well. Cool. But you can free, but you're free to download it, free to redistribute, free to give it away as many times as you want. You heard it here, folks. Any hope of getting the dot-coms? I'm trying to. Yeah. But the thing is, that was set up. This is part of the crap store we were talking about. Yeah. Michael purchased freespire.org because of the issue that he was having with Kevin at the time. Didn't Kevin do that? Wasn't it uh, Ke- Kevin? Kevin Ke- bought freespire.com, which is that. Oh, dot-com. Oh, okay. Because I know uh, Michael was trying to get freespire.com from him. Right. They have freespire.org. And that was part of his trademark lawsuit that he had with Kevin. Yeah. Was that he wanted to prove that he had a product called Freespire, even though he had already sold it to Xandros, which made no sense to me. He had already sold the damn thing. Well, because freespire.com was set up specifically to speak on Michael Robertson's business practices. (laughs) Right. Exactly. A bit bit of a political crapshoot, as you say. Right. Alleged. You know, yes. You have to say alleged. Yeah. Oh, yes. Alleged. Because <laughs> when, I, when I was talking about it, I was like, yeah, I better say alleged because otherwise I'll get sued. <laughs> yes. Uh, and you do. You, I guess that's another thing is you've got to be really careful because you've bought right. into the Michael Robertson empire, which right. back in the early days was, uh, was, you know, he was doing some great stuff. But, you know, his business right. practices and things did not end up well for MP3.com or Linspire Inc. or any of those. Um, so... Good luck. But some, but some people said that he bought, that he started Lindos, and that they they felt that he started Lindos as a way as a money grab for Microsoft. Because some people say he thought he was going, that he knew he was going to be sued. I actually don't agree because, like I said, I've actually read a lot of the stuff that yeah. happened back then from now an insider's view of it, mm-hmm. and I really think that to give him some credit, I think he was really trying to do something great. I don't think it was just a money grab like he had with MP3. Oh yeah, no, he's yeah. he's a brilliant guy, and and, and he built right. some really brilliant things. Uh, mm-hmm. Not not to you know digress, but I'm sure the questions will come up. But like MP3.com is a great example of something that he built from the ground up that was amazing. But then right. where it all went wrong is the sellout and right. the absolute lack of care for his community. 
right. where everybody who was a user on mp3.com went, what? I just lost all my files? I just lost, right. as an artist, I lost my ability to sell my CDs, and now yeah. someone else owns it and has turned it into something else? Same thing happened with Linspire, where all the users were left going, what? What happened? Right. Especially because I've got some email from these Lifetime users, from people that bought the Lifetime yeah. subscription. Mm-hmm. And they're like, are you guys going to honor that? Yeah. And uh, in case you have any of those guys here, we actually did talk about that. And we actually did think about that. And, you know, we're not required to support it. But yeah. Yeah. One, thing that to, one thing that we decided was for uh, $59.99, we were going to go ahead and reestablish them as lifetime users to where they wow. can go ahead and <laughs> get Linspire, get the and that's for the lifetime of the product. That's cool. I, mean, now, I did, felt like we had to do something for these guys because did, they did seem like it did seem like they got crapped on. Yeah. I, I have no I, I have no records from back then. Uh, did, yeah. did you obtain a list of lifetime subscribers? No, we did not. <laughs> so if you were a lifetime Lindos Linspire user, subscriber and yeah. you can actually give me an invoice and prove it to me. That's tough. Yeah, that's tough. Actually, we've had a couple people that have done it. Wow. Okay. They kept their they kept their subscription. Well, that's cool. They kept their cool. invoices and stuff. So they can come to me with an invoice. Then yeah. Oh, dude, the stuff that we got from Linspire and like I said, it was poorly managed towards the end. Mm. What we got was what Xandros got. Yeah, and, and they there's just a lot of, they just put it a in a box of, in the back room. Right. Excuse me. <laughs> they just put it in a box in the back room when they acquired it. Right. <laughs> pretty yeah. much. So, pretty well, much. I, I'm, oh, I'm, they pretty pretty much we got a bunch of USB keys and if oh, I yeah. think these are like 128 kilobyte US or megabyte USB keys. Oh wow. A bunch of files, a box of paperwork, and we're like, this is it. Wow. Oh, and some hard drives. Yeah. All the source code and everything to it. <laughs> Start making copies. Well, Roberto, I'm, I am encouraged by everything that we've heard here tonight. Um, different company, same great OS, but with major improvements and a community focus. Right. I think we're really on the right track here with uh, with Linspire, and I'm I'm excited personally to see uh, what comes of this. So, um, so all the best to you. Thank you for your time, and uh, and we'll definitely uh, post a link below. And if you have any questions uh, for Roberto, for myself, uh, if you want to know more about the new Linspire, uh, make sure you visit their website. And is there a direct way that they can contact you on the website? I suppose. Yes, there is. We have our email addresses on the website, especially mine. I put mine up there front and center. Uh, and community also forum. Go to the Linspire page. Great. We also have a link to Facebook. Do you have a uh, community forum at this point? Not yet. We're sitting. We're in the works of getting that set up. Great. But we do have a Facebook page that we allow the community to actually talk, converse, and do everything they. Excellent. So that's on top of the page, on the Linspire OS page. They can just click like and they can join in the conversation. And Very as soon good. as we get the forum set up, we'll definitely send you guys a link and we'll put that up there as well. Appreciate that. All right, well, thanks for your time, man, and uh, keep up the great work. Really excited about everything that's to come. Uh, We've got to take a really quick, we've got to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to actually take a look at Linspire 7. Stick around. You've got mad skills. Now hone them. Learn new skills or improve your existing ones with online video tutorials and training from lynda.com through our special link at cat5.tv slash lynda. 
Learn software, technology, creative, and business skills you can use today to help you achieve your professional goals. Join today and start learning. We'll give you this chance to try it absolutely free with unlimited access to all of the courses. Sign up now for free, cat5.tv slash linda. Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. How cool is that? That was um, awesome. We were chatting during the break there and started talking about the whole fact that the URL is getting you know, a little difficult to, to figure out. Yes. Word of mouth is an important thing. So uh, we did a search and found linspirelinux.com. So well, that's Roberto's just going to set that up and get that up and going. So by the cool. time you watch this, linspirelinux.com, check it out. Um, okay. Ready to take a look at Linspire 7? Yes. Again, go back to episode number 303 to see how the old version looked. And ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Linspire 7. This is a fresh, clean install. Uh, and as we learned there during the interview, this has got some commercial components. I see first and foremost, Google Chrome, nice. Um, not a commercial application. You don't have to pay for it. Right. But it is not free open source software. So, um, But nice that it's there. I wonder then if... If I can like get straight on to things like Netflix and that kind of stuff, should we give it a try? What kind of things do we want to check out? Today? Yeah, you're good. Yeah. All right, so we should find Netflix. that people who have data theft me. <laughs> Let's find all those people, <laughs> destroy them. That's right. If I can remember my Netflix password, because I sign in about once every ten years. There we go. Nice. We've got Peppa Pig. On oh, demand. Look at that. Nice. All right. So, does it work out of the box? Whoops! Something oh. went wrong. Okay. So we've we've done this before, um, where we can. Let's see if I can remember how to do this. But we've done it on the show. DRM. Uh, video. You know what? I'm not even gonna. Don't worry. You can make it work in Chrome. Go back to our website and do a search yes. for uh, Netflix Chrome, and you'll be able to get it going. Right. Chrome is already pre-installed. I didn't have to go through and set it up. So that's cool. Uh, all right. So let's get a look. What do we have? Let's go all. Woo-hoo. So first of all, what do you notice? This looks very much like a Windows yeah, it operating does. system. Very sad. I, I lo- like the nostalgia of seeing these colors is just... It's bringing me back. I'm loving this. Yeah, this is very similar to the original look and feel. Yeah. Um, I like... Now, this is my first time loading anything on here. So if, there, if it uses... A selection of backgrounds. I like to stylize things. Although, I just want to make sure I can put it back... Yeah, there's the Linspire one. Because I don't want to lose the Linspire. Well, yeah. Oh, oh look at that. Nice. Very I like how, smooth. I like how z- zippy it is. Sweet. All right. Now, how was the, the boot on this computer? Super fast. Super fast. Uh, now, I've got a bit, bit of a more decent computer yeah. than, than I did back in the day of Linspire. But, so look at all the stuff that comes with it. And out of the box, it worked just fine. It's got my networking and Wi-Fi. Wow. Uh, one of the things that he mentioned was the loss of click and run. Um, yes. But uh, I noticed that the icon is still the same. So let's bring that up and see what that looks like. Welcome to software. Very ingenious name. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Okay, so one of the things that I'm going to want is the GIMP. 
So yes. uh, GNU image manipulation program. How would I find that? Oh, without? look at that. It even shows you what apps are already installed, so you don't even have to... Th That's nice. Where do you see that? Well, like, oh, it has a little office. icon yeah. there. Ah, okay, nice. That is a nice feature. Sweet. Okay, so graphics... What do we have? We've got Blender, Blender. nice dark table. We've looked at those on the show. And GIMP, GNU Image Manipulation Program. I like that. Install. Sweet. Enter my password. And as easy as that, looks like she's going. Nice. So That's nice. Uh, okay, so now I'm assuming maybe it's linked to the account that you have created with your software but you didn't even have the to, software installer yeah you didn't even have to create like account to sign up to get apps or anything like it's just it's all part of it yeah it's part of like debian repositories right. and things like that but notice though that i did have to enter my password yes for for access to Love install it. on your computer yes and so as uh, roberto had confirmed for us we are not running as the root user correct sweet yeah. sweet okay sorry that did not work what Oh, I, I haven't got internet turned on on this computer. What? No. <laughs> yeah, you did. You um, were looking at Netflix. Yeah, I did look at Netflix. Install GIMP, GIMP image editor failed. Manager phone. App transaction returned result. Exit failed. Oh. Hmm. Still, that's, that's smooth. To be fair, now I, I am looking at, am I still online? Maybe my internet has gone down because I am on Wi-Fi. Let's just verify. No, it's up. So that's cool. Let's try again. Because I'd hate to give y'all... Yeah, there's something up there with my connection to that. I don't know why. I, I don't want to give you a bad impression if I run into little issues here or there because I haven't right. set anything up or, or done anything. And I am just... Oh, I do have an Ethernet cable plugged in. That's good. Um, and it's bridged. Yeah. Let's try again. So the fact that I'm entering my password means that it's doing this as a non-root user. So it's becoming super user when I run that. I think my internet dropped out there for a moment, and that's why it was... It could be. It's bad weather outside, so... And we are, just so you know, if you're watching and you're not familiar with the show, we use LTE internet. So we are susceptible to that kind of thing. Yep. All right, so that's going away. Uh, what else do we have? Okay, Office Suite. Uh, we've got LibreOffice. Libre yeah. um, so if I bring up Writer, for example, version 5, nice. They've done away with version 1.1, Jeff. Yes, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> so that's sweet. Um, looks just like Microsoft Office, that kind of thing. So. See, and as I'm looking at this, I'm going, man, this would, is going to be so easy for people to migrate. It's so fast, Into dude. a very simple Linux environment. Games doesn't really come with much, but you can install those through the software application. It's pretty standard, uh, though, yep. with Linux. Yep. I like that it's got the Skype. I like not only that, but that I don't see cruft. I don't see a bunch of extra junk. Right. I don't see a bunch of, like, you remember on Windows, and I've had this conversation before, um, on Windows when you installed stuff, uh, you get a bunch of, like, uninstall. Yeah, that as, is my biggest complaint. The, about oh, I, I really hate the menus. <laughs> it's just full of junk, and Windows 10 is just rancid as far as the menus go. You have to know the name of things in okay, order to I find it. Okay, I saw a software updater. Software updater? I, or, I, you were flipping through Well, quickly. here, let's try. If I don't know where it was, I can type in. There you go. Yeah, software. Software end updates, software updater, yeah, so and software. Is that just a, like, would that be for updating the base software on the it computer? It says GIMP is installed. Well, let's take a look. 
It's all new to us. Checking for look at that. I'm going to close out of this. Uh, it says the GIMP is installed, which uh, there's an interesting blank button, and then launch. So we're we're seeing a you know there there are probably some tweaks that they need yeah. to do to make everything kind of perfect. Wow, there's already but, an oh, update. Oh, what does it do? All right. Look at that. So this is telling me that there's an update for my computer. Okay, that's cool. So, again, GUI front end. We've done away with the need for terminal, um, although it is still there. So if you're a terminal baby, you can bring it up. You can do your stuff. And it's full service. There you go. What do you think, Sasha? It's very nice. Intuitive, easy to use, super fast. And it's Linspire. It looks yeah. and feels very, very much like uh, Linspire of old. Um, mm-hmm. But it is XFCE, if you can believe it. From what I understand, this is all XFCE driven. Really? Yeah. So, but it looks great. What do you all uh, think? I'm post excited. Your, post I, your comments below. I think this could be, like, I, I love, I always love Linspire. Oh, yeah. Well, just the fact that it's back. I mean, I've got an old laptop at home. I can't wait yeah. to put it on to see sure. how it works. Yeah. Because it'd be great to add life to an old laptop. And if you want to just jump, <laughs> pardon me, if you want to jump right in, just go grab Free Spire. Mm-hmm. It's free. So yeah, that's true. give it a go on your system and uh, you'll be flying. Nice. I love it. And that's just out of the box. So only thing I installed was GIMP uh, chat room. You want to know how does it look and run? Let's bring it up. It's under graphics. Nice and easy. So this is, on this particular laptop, as I mentioned, this is a better laptop than what we had 10 years ago, but it is, uh, it's just got four gigs of RAM, and I think I've allocated two gigs to the, to the VM. So it's not got smashing specs or anything like that. But as far as responsiveness, like when I m- move stuff and touch stuff, it feels it's very, instant. very zippy. Yeah, it's, and, and there is something to be said for that, I think. Yes. When things just feel zippy, when I click on an application, uh, when I move something around on the screen, I don't like there to feel like there's latency there. Mm-hmm. So, cool. Very nice. I'm excited. Linspirelinux.com is where you're going to find it. Good time. Very Check it out. cool. Mm-hmm. Over to you. All right. Here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category5.tv newsroom. We'll explain the latest threat, dubbed Meltdown and Spectre. Lithium-ion batteries in HP notebook computers and mobile workstations that are not customer replaceable are being recalled. We'll tell you which products are affected, so stick around. Remember the VTech hack we reported on back in... 2015, the FTC has finally reached a settlement deal with the toy maker, and Toyota is working with a handful of companies to create an autonomous electric fleet of vehicles. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. Whether you shop on ThinkGeek, GearBest, B&H Photo Video, eBay, or Amazon, or even if you want a free trial of Audible, you'll find the best deals and support the shows we produce by simply visiting the shopping sites you already frequent by using the links on our website. Visit category5.tv slash partners for the full and ever-growing list and help us create more free content like this show. Thank you for shopping with our partners and thank you for watching. This is the Category5.tv newsroom, covering the week's top tech stories with a slight Linux bias. I'm Sasha Rickman, and here are the top stories we're following this week. 
The latest threat has been dubbed Meltdown and Spectre. But what is it? Well, we gave it a week for the facts to start percolating, and here's the lowdown. Google's Project Zero revealed the details last week of a vulnerability impacting Intel chips going all the way back to 1995 and confirmed rumors that involved the use of speculative execution. They also went against comments made by AMD that said it was not affected. Google said these vulnerabilities affect many CPUs, including those from AMD, ARM and Intel, as well as the devices and operating systems running them. The flaws, dubbed Meltdown and Spectre, allow an attacker to read memory that should not be accessible. This allows a virtual machine to read the memory of the host machine, thereby having access to other memory to memory of other VMs hosted on that machine. Modern CPUs use speculative execution to increase performance. The concern, therefore, is that by patching against the exploit, performance will also suffer greatly. While the response to Meltdown Inspector hasn't been as smooth as originally hoped, vendors appear to have done a thorough job. Meltdown, though easier to exploit, is also easier to protect against. Operating systems updates should appear successful should appear appear successful and should do a solid job for Intel, Apple, and future ARM chips that are susceptible to the attack. Spectre, on the other hand, is going to be tricky. It doesn't have any clean, simple fix. Unlike the other attacks, there doesn't appear to be any way of implementing an operating system level fix. Appropriate application level fixes is in all likelihood going to require lots of manual effort by developers. Longer term, it seems likely that Meltdown will recede into the distance, an annoyance perhaps, but fully patched and protected against, while the rather more subtle specter is going to be with us for some time. The best thing we can do for now is update our systems to get the latest OS patches and watch it as the story continues to unfold. Wow, well... This is an interesting one. Yeah, it absolutely is. Now, I wonder why Meltdown Inspector. Like, wh- how do they come up with these sorts of uh, strange names? Because it wouldn't be as like, fun to call them banana and chocolate. Right. It's the chocolate. I don't know. That'd Meltdown seems ominous. Spectre doesn't seem that bad to me. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till you encounter it. Yeah, that's true. Now, what I find so interesting is that there's there doesn't appear to be a way to fix... Sorry, was it Spectre that they can't fix? Mm-hmm. Uh, without doing just software fixes, there, there's no way to get into the basics. It makes me wonder if this is going to open the door to some sort of a lawsuit that they've permanently made some computers and networks vulnerable and as such they're on the hook for the hardware to fix like mm. you know this it opens the door to that kind of where stuff where would where would it end though this is where certainly that, that is the big the question beginning. Yeah. this is the beginning of that story no doubt there will be updates mm. to follow this oh yeah is not, yeah this is not yeah open. and we'll see what kind of firmware patches come out how right now it's still very speculative how much performance is going to be impacted by mm-hmm. uh by the fixes yeah, yeah. so i guess we'll just have to we'll stand see. by and see. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, lithium-ion batteries in HP notebook computers and mobile workstations that are not re- customer-replaceable are being recalled. The recall involves certain lithium-ion batteries compatible with HP notebook computers and mobile workstations. The affected batteries were sold with the notebook computers and mobile workstations and were also sold separately as replacement batteries. 
Approximately 2,600 affected batteries were sold in Canada, 50,000 in the United States, and 1,900 in Mexico. The recalled batteries were sold over a two-year period from December 2015 to December 2017 at various retail locations and online. The problem is that the battery can overheat, posing a potential burn and fire hazard. The company has not received any reports of incidents or injuries in Canada. In the United States, the company has received eight reports of overheating batteries and one report of injury. And in Mexico, the company has received one report of battery overheating and no reports of injury. This recall affects several models of HP, NV, Pavilion, ZBook, X360, ProBook, and more. So make sure you review the HP battery recall website to see if you're affected. The product name can be found by utilizing the keyboard shortcut function and escape or on the barcode label on the bottom of the notebook PC. Wow. So. Now, would a, an overheating battery melt the computer potentially? Sure, a plastic computer, why not? So it could set it on and fire. And the battery chassis is usually plastic, right? right? Yeah, that's right. true. And it would set it on fire. It could. Which be We've encountered that with uh, Samsung's the uh, phones, yeah. Kerfuffle. So yeah. Yeah. there hasn't been a lot of injury. There's been a couple, like, I mean, I'm not saying that the person injured isn't, sure. but there's been Well, usually one if your laptop is on fire, you wouldn't lay down on top of it. Right, so. but I wonder if it ever caught fire. <laughs> I'm thinking injury, maybe it was overheating on somebody's lap and they just didn't Right, that's it. what I'm thinking. Right? Then they're going, wow, this is really hot. Now, mm-hmm. I have had my laptop on my lap before. Now, I'm not saying that... a good place that, for a laptop. Yes. Yeah. I atop my lap and it has gotten warm so my battery is probably not a problem right Mm -hmm. but are there ways because obviously you don't want things to overheat it it doesn't Mm -hmm. help performance are there ways to circumvent that so -hmm. that you wouldn't have an overheating can you do something well in this case it's a defect right Right. so but generally speaking your laptop and if you look at your laptop lift it up look look underneath um you'll see vents Mm -hmm. like vent holes and that's where it draws air in from or blows air out of usually it comes in from the bottom and then out the side of the chassis so if if you're sitting on like a blanket and you've got it on the bed or something like that and it's unable to draw air in, right. it can actually overheat. So that can cause damage so to the internal you components. You can get little stands for underneath your laptop. Yeah, some right. of them come powered. Like a bamboo stand. Yeah, exactly. Some of them have fans. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's ways around it uh, just to allow some airflow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, put it on a book. Like a yeah. hardcover book while you're... Yep. Okay, if so you it's don't okay have, as long as it's on a hard surface. You're fine. Well, I, I would think like instead of on the bed or mm-hmm. the blanket or whatever, something that's going to obstruct the airflow, uh, if you had it on something hard, like a book or something, then that would, that would help. Oh, okay. That's the poor man's little yep. holder oh, case thing. Awesome, thank you. <laughs> the U.S. Federal Trade Commission has agreed to a settlement deal with a children's electronic toy maker that it accused of collecting kids' personal information and failing to properly secure that data. The government watchdog said that VTech will pay $650,000 and agree to a set of privacy and security requirements in order to settle charges that it violated both the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act and the FTC Act. The settlement deal puts to bed allegations by the FTC that VTech broke the law with its operation of the following. Learning Lodge, Kid Connect, Planet VTech Games, and educational websites for kids. 
and specifically the allegation that the company did not properly secure the information on millions of children and parents prior to the 2015 hack of its services and theft of customer data. The breached Learning Lodge and Kid Connect services were said to have hosted around 2.25 million accounts that contained information on roughly 3 million kids. The accounts had things like the child's name, date of birth, and the gender, as well as the parent's name, physical address, email address, and security question answers. The toy maker will be required to cut the FTC a $650,000 check, about 22 cents per affected child, to settle the case. VTech will also agree to a stricter set of compliance requirements, including regular third-party security audits to check whether it is properly storing and encrypting its collected information, and to make sure it is getting express consent from parents before it collects any personal information. Speaking about data theft, eh? Yeah. Right. Wow. I don't know if that's harsh enough a punishment. 22 cents per affected child. Well, who gets the money too, right? And well. like the occasional audit. How about you're done because you didn't do it right and kids are now affected for the rest of their lives, maybe. But VTech is kind of like the gold standard of in the industry for these kind of products for kids. Smart I mean, I, toys and... Yeah, I mean, I can't think of anybody else who does it more broadly than they would. And I mean, openly. Well, yeah. But it's funny that this has happened. I didn't know about the data breach in 2015, but we had, uh, for our kids, Leapfrogs. Right. right okay. And they were from VTech. And I remember, mm-hmm. you know, you get the games and then... but. Then it asks you for these online accounts, and you can access all the games from the accounts. And I remember saying to my wife, something seems wrong about this. Like, it's a kid's toy. Why should kids have to have accounts with all this information on it? And I called VTech, and I asked them about it. I'm like, why? Yeah. And And they said, oh, it's, you know, so that you as a parent can know what's going on in their accounts, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, why would you even add that kind of information? Oh, uh, it's, you know, it's just the way the system's set up. And I had issues with it. So we never signed up. We ended up stopped using the devices because there was something about it. I just had this hinky feeling. You were right. There we go. I'm vindicated. There you go. <laughs> now, of course, if they are going to figure out a way of protecting future children, that's great. But what about the past children? Like, I, it bothers me that now they have the name, gender, birth date, physical address. Yeah, and I where feel is like that data? Who has and, that data? And security Santa question Claus. answers. Like, I just worry about... <laughs> These children... Billy. Naughty. (laughs) (laughs) These children now are growing up with one mark against them in the online world already, right? Mm. And how... I know... Like, okay. Not saying data breaches and all this kind of stuff are okay, but the amount of information that parents put online about their kids already through Facebook, I can guarantee you your kid's life is categorized by Facebook. Yeah. They yeah. know their oh, name. Okay. They know the toys that they play well, with. Like the fact that Facebook has 52,000 categories of your information, like it's not like your kids are not already tagged and numbered. So and what, who's as still- a parent, as a parent, because both of you are, so what as parents do you do to protect your kids against situations? I have like a cabin this? in the woods. Yes. <laughs> Bubble boy. <laughs> Think bubble boy. I see. What I'm thinking about. Go back to the picture point. How many of us still use a point and shoot or DSLR yeah. camera? We all use our phones to take pictures of the kids at the park and stuff. Yes. It's more convenient. Yep. Right. Our phones have geolocation tracking, and the EXIF data of the photos actually yes. contain longitude and latitude for where that photo was taken. 
Yes. So then I upload that to social media before I strip all the exif data. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Facebook now knows exactly where I was sitting, longitude and latitude, when I took that picture. Eek. Yep. So like it, 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 all this data is there. And, okay. and here, you know, digressing from VTech to now Facebook and everything else. But it, when data theft occurs, who gets that data? How do they aggregate it? What do they use it for? Mm-hmm. And these are children. We need to protect the children. And so what do you do? To a certain degree, when it comes to the online culture and the Internet of Things, you can only go so far when you have to trust that there's another company who's doing what's right. Yeah, a lot of it is trust. Yeah. A lot of it's trust. Huh. So, but it's just, it's being smart. Don't, don't get careless with that information. Yeah, get to that point where you're like Jeff and say, something's a little fishy about this. I was not in Russia today. Just do a dual personality for each of your children. Your name is, is Jeff right now because we're in real life, but online your name is something else. Samantha. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have more for us? Uh, yeah, I oh, certainly yeah? do. Sweet. Toyota has partnered with a company, a number of companies to form the ePallet Alliance, which is a group intended to help guide its transformation as a mobility services company and to determine how it will make use of its new ePallet vehicle platform. ePallet is a modular driverless vehicle intended to suit a number of purposes all at once. The initial group of companies includes Uber, Didi, Mazda, Amazon, and Pizza Hut. They will be working together to help guide the direction of Toyota's concept vehicle, the e-Palette, and how it develops and supports the mobility services it offers to companies as a result. Toyota discussed this as a way to help build a common platform that all businesses and companies can use as a plug-and-play open platform for building out their own mobility services, which they can then offer to consumers. For example, Amazon could use the vehicles for parcel deliveries and Pizza Hut could use them for pizza deliveries. The vision from Toyota is a vast one that would ultimately see its vehicles deployed as a fleet of flexible service vehicles that can switch from logistics to delivery to passenger travel as part of a large autonomous electric network. Toyota plans to launch the e-Pallet and the early results of its partnership with the Alliance at the Tokyo Olympics in 2021. Hmm. So, here's the thing. With these vehicles, deliveries will have to change their definition because obviously a car cannot bring a pizza to your door. Why not? And Amazon cannot put bring a package me a pizza car. to the step from the car. So now it's going to be in part, I think, part of the person, like the del- the, well, the recipient of the delivery is going to now have to take a more active sure. part in the situation. Like maybe meet the car at the road, or maybe it'll be like the Pizza Hut ice cream truck that drives down the road and then people just flag it to stop when you want a pepperoni pizza. I don't know. I, like it's going to have to be well, you different. Gotta, absolutely, yeah, and and I think the technology is going to we're going to see it evolve overnight, and we've and we've seen this in uh, through the stories um, in San Francisco about the you know the small robots and things. Yeah, there's no need for a, a driver, so you don't need to build it like the based on the the old car model, right? right? So if you could really do away with the driver's seat, 
then why not? Why not have it something that shows up and uses NFC to detect when you approach it to take the pizza and then it charges your card and done and done? Seems all right to me. Yeah. So, the, I don't know, maybe I'm just thinking about the people factor. This is going to wipe out an entire industry of jobs. Hmm. But somebody has to Leave put that pizza in the car. It. No, they don't. Not necessarily. Conveyors? Yeah. Robots? <laughs> Like, Who needs to even make the pizza anymore? Oh, I mean, now there college won't be any students everywhere. That's human error. College students <laughs> everywhere are not going to have school money anymore. Like, how many college students do deliveries for pizza and stuff just to make a couple extra bucks? So they need to learn how to fix autonomous cars. <laughs> we're going. Right. We're doing a full circle now. It's all trade. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's going to be a lot. I mean. I love the advancement we make in technology, but there's also the people factor of it. And the other thing I can't help but wonder is what happens when something goes wrong? You order pizza, but instead, nope, you just got that $10,000 fossil watch that somebody else ordered because the machine screwed up. Where's the liability on that? I don't know. There's not people involved, so I don't think there'll be mistakes. I'm not too sure about that. Come on now. Come on now. I don't We're going to have to everybody searching for examples. I want to search for examples. I, I just, I don't think that it will be one vehicle that does Amazon deliveries and pizza deliveries. But that's what it, you just No, it will be a it can change of vehicles roles. that changes roles, but I don't think it goes so out it on So it must one have run. passenger seats. Right. It, it wouldn't go on run, one run and be an Uber driver and a Pizza Hut delivery mm. place. And like, it's got to be like just interchangeable today you're the pizza car. And then tomorrow right. you're the Uber car with the pizza smell in it. And then all of a sudden those sure. people are going to crave pizza. Mm. See? Again, full circle. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how it, come, how it comes about. But it's interesting, though. Yeah, it's very cool. And, and we're seeing a lot of the stuff at CES uh, this week and, and seeing a, like all the different manufacturers that are doing autonomous vehicle stuff. And like it's really that. tough and yet exciting to, to sit down. And I want to do this, and I can't do this on the air. But to sit down and kind of think of predictions of how the technology could be used and how it could work. Right. Because really it comes down to changing the paradigm. You mentioned about jobs and things. Mm. Well, when the horse-drawn carriage became a thing of the past and the automobile took over... People panicked. A lot of people lost jobs, but new jobs were created. And the horse population dropped. But you know what I mean? <laughs> we can't predict how the creation of the automobile is going to change the, yeah. the industry, let alone the world. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're, I mean, you look at what we've accomplished as a society in the last 120 years, and you just you, you kind of go, where are we going to be in 50 years because of how quickly it's yeah, I know. picking yeah. up? And uh, you can't predict these kind of things. You can't. You can speculate all you want, but you just kind of have to see it play out, and you do the best you can to to hope that it doesn't go awry, you know, and end up with some sort of AI that takes over the world because we're actually screwing it up. I'm pretty sure that was a movie plot. Mm. I'm pretty optimistic, I'll tell you. You are It's going to go very well. It's sick. <laughs> <laughs> Big thanks to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us this week. Thanks for watching the Category 5.TV newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category5.tv newsroom, I'm Sasha Rickman. Nice. Thanks, Sasha. This is Category 5 Technology TV. It's been great fun having you here. Thanks again to our guest tonight, Roberto, uh, from linspirelinux.com. And we hope you check it out and tell us what you think of it. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. Lots of good stuff covered tonight. Mm. I know. Tons and, of little nuggets. And don't forget, next week is our viewer question extravaganza. My I can't very wait. favorite. If you haven't sent in your questions yet, get onto our website, category5.tv. Click on Contact Us, and you'll be able to submit your comments, questions, and concerns. And we will share them next week. So take care. Have a Bye. great week, everyone. Bye.